Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you on Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal is in. We are loaded up today. Some sports and also remembering uh, those who gave their life for 9-11. 19 years. It doesn't seem like it's been 19 years. And we'll have a special story from a survivor uh, that spoke in Nebraska had a chance to interview him a couple of years back, Sujo John. He and his wife both escaped the tower uh, before it, uh, South Tower, before it came crashing down. So that's coming up in the five o'clock hour. We'll talk some Husker football. Derek Peterson will be with us from Hale Varsity. Jeff Mall, Lincoln Convention and Visitors Bureau. Mr. Jeff will tell us what's happening around town this weekend. You can wear red too. A lot of throwback games going on, man, and we want to see you down at the rail yard. Things will get uh, kicked off down there. A double feature for you beginning at 5.30. You've got Iowa, Nebraska, the Kenny Bell game, the Des Moines-Pearson-L game, quite honestly, uh, from 2014, and then the 94 Nebraska-Colorado game follows that. So good times down in the rail yard. Be safe, of course. Bill Dolman coming up in one hour, and then we'll set the scene for tonight's high school game. Thankfully, I'll be able to call the football game tonight uh, with Lincoln East and Norfolk. Well, let's uh, not count your chickens before they're hatched. Well, I mean, I, I assume I'll be able to successfully navigate from where we're at here in uh, in Lincoln to Seacrest Field for the 8 o'clock kickoff. Uh, you know, a week ago, I'm breaking a phone call off to Elijah. He puts his Superman cape on and says, yep, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Uh, you, uh, you take care of your beat up body and i'll do the show so john gingery is coming up at 5 40 head coach for lincoln east uh you can join us dial us in at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865 email chris at hailvarsity.com follow us give us a follow on twitter at schmidt underscore radio or at herbal essence so the news today a couple of things uh, we are anticipating a vote for sure this weekend or maybe Monday from the Council of Presidents and Chancellors, a revote. Could things get into action uh, and return to play competition? We'll have their presentation. So we'll tell you about that. You also have the Nebraska Attorney General throwing his hat into the ring when it comes to compliance. And uh, this is interesting. And uh, you have the uh, office of Doug Peterson, the attorney general for the state of Nebraska, sent a letter to Commissioner Warren today. And it's really uh, about compliance. And it's one thing for, and I'm not scoffing at the lawsuit for the Nebraska football players, the Husker 8 are very vital to this fight, to this push to get football back for the Big Ten this fall. And they have gone about things in a super mature way. They've gone things about things in a very legally responsible way. 
and Nebraska has gotten some movement from their players uh, with this lawsuit. There has been some discovery, right? You got the fact that you had an 11-3 to vote. That was divulged uh, because of the Husker 8. You actually got a number. Uh, now you have the Attorney General for the state of Nebraska notifying Commissioner Warren uh, that, look, the uh, conference appears to be out of compliance with the Nebraska Nonprofit Corporation Act. And that uh, is pretty important here because uh, you have the power of the state. All right. The power of the state of Nebraska. It's not a lawsuit. This is the state of Nebraska. They are able to instruct the Big Ten officials to provide documents and records to determine if they've operated in compliance. If you're going to be part of Nebraska, and if Nebraska is going to be part of the Big Ten and you're a nonprofit and you're making boatloads of money, Nebraska's part of that money-making process and you're not taxed, uh, are you in compliance? Are you operating in compliance with Nebraska law uh, and their own... Are you operating within compliance of your own governing documents? So I don't want to get super convoluted here or glaze you over, but this is uh, this is very it, it's a pit bull bite is what it is. It's 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 a strong jaw here. The Big Ten folks can look down their reading glasses. The presidents and chancellors and all the law, legal scholars and law experts can well they can roll their eyes at the Nebraska students. Right. And say, well, you want to comb through our documents because you don't like a decision. We're going to thumb our nose at you and we're going to we're going to be evasive and we're going to dig our heels in and we're going to be silent and we're not going to give you information. But when uh, when when the attorney general for the state of Nebraska steps forward and has legitimate basis to request all this information on the face and in the realm of compliance, that you're following the law in the state of Nebraska, you can't dismiss that. You can't ignore that. You can't not answer that if you're the Big Ten. Is it a technicality? Uh, has this been an issue? I think back to the movie Casino, all right? And you got Robert De Niro's character who's kind of running the casino, but technically he doesn't have a a gambling license, so he's not supposed to be running the casino. And he ticked off one of the local politicians, and one of the local politicians went down to the gaming board of Nevada and said, you know what, is this guy even got a, 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 a license to have a casino? Is this guy legally able to operate and run? And he had two twins that were that were heavy set, looked at each other, and, well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, could you kindly get on that? <laughs> he had this cowboy from Nevada, and they were out of compliance. I mean, they were mobbed up, so yes, they were out of compliance. But the point is, and I'm not saying there's mo- not going criminal negligence here. I'm saying the fact is there are checks and balances. There is compliance, and you need to be compliant if you're going to have an entity like the University of Nebraska operating with a nonprofit Power Five League. I don't claim to be a, a legal aficionado. I took one law class in my time in college, and it's uh, com law. Yeah, same here. So. <laughs> I loved it, but I'm I'm no Jack McCoy. That's why I check out Vince Powers or talk to my buddy Garth. Yeah, but this feels like it's 
got more weight than that Husker players lawsuit. They're they're asking for pretty much. You the can't same dismiss things. this. Yeah, no, you can't dismiss this. It's from the state of Nebraska, and it, it feels like it's being almost swept under the rug because you've all the other news within this past week. You've had Ryan Day's statement. You've had the talk. There's going to be a vote this weekend. All of this. James Franklin putting the conference on blast. Yes, but this lawsuit, or not even lawsuit, uh, it, it just feels like it's it's got more weight. It, it's from the state of Nebraska. Uh, you would assume that. The Big Ten, even if they don't get a ruling that they'd like here, would appeal it into a federal court, and it'll it'll go up the ladder. I think the way the Nebraska Eight presented things and who they partnered with prevents it from going to federal court. So it's going to be a Nebraska judge that has to dismiss. I don't. Th- I think they made uh, the, the ne- this is what Vince was telling us. Nebraska made the necessary adjustments. This is a couple of weeks ago, where I don't think the the Husker Eight lawsuit can get kicked to federal court. They prevented that. But this one can. Possibly. Correct me if I'm wrong there. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. As I said, not a legal aficionado. But I believe this one being from the state of Nebraska could therefore then climb up the ladder up into federal. It could. But from a from a state standpoint, uh, they're questioning the Big Ten's actions. You've been conducting business in the state without either being registered or failing to maintain registration. Uh, and when it comes to, are you even following your own bylaws? You've got Peterson's letter uh, in light of recent allegations as to the Big Ten's deliberative process regarding whether to cancel, modify, or postpone the 2020 football season. Our office hereby seeks additional information regarding whether the aforementioned deliberations were conducted in accordance with the requirements of the Nebraska Nonprofit Corporation Act. So these decisions you made, do they match up and and are they legal to do within being a nonprofit organization that is operating in the state of Nebraska? So here's what you got, and the information is being sought by September 21st. All information, opinions, reports, and statements that went into the conference's decision concerning the 2020 football season, the current bylaws, and any amendments and appendices effective January 1st. Uh, I think this week the Big Ten took the bylaws down off of their website. I think I remember reading that. A list of current directors, including the Big Ten Council of Presidents and Chancellors, who voted 11-3 to postpone the season. All documents governing the deliberative process leading to the decision to postpone fall sports. That includes, but not limited, to the Big Ten Conference Handbook. All meeting minutes reflecting the deliberative process documentation of the meeting with specific dates, times, places, and type of meeting was it special was it an annual was it quarterly and who attended what are their titles and if it's a special meeting identify who called the meeting and what authority did this meeting take place under so it's it's all the things that honestly the husker eight did not get with their lawsuit they got some discovery but they were unable to get minutes or recordings or notes from the from the meeting so it's, it's just digging a little bit deeper with the power of the state of Nebraska and the attorney general, the, law, the top law enforcement officer in the state of Nebraska, asking for this. It's not eight college students that are 
ticked off they're not playing ball. And they have every right to do what they've done, but this has a little more hammer to it. This is a second or third cherry on top of a very rugged, rugged week for the Big Ten and Commissioner Warren. And the other thing, too, to think about here is uh, just what is moving forward here that, that makes you feel good, maybe a little bit better about October football. And we've, we've brother, we've waffled on this. We've gone back and forth, and it's looked bleak. And the commentary from Bill Moose, has, he's, he's been very straight up with where things may go. I mean, it's, it's just been a, a very exhaustive process to, to push things. And right now, you're going to have the Council of Presidents and Chancellors here from the Return to Competition Committee, okay? And you've had X number of coaches lose it on the commissioner because of the communication process and the fact we're down to almost out of time, all right, to get a, to get a fall season in. Why has there not been progress made with with trying to acquire rapid testing? It, it's had to come from the president, or you've used faulty medical information. You've been sitting on your hands since summertime, it feels like, with this. It's like your mind's already been made up, you're not going to play ball, when it's okay to not guarantee that you're going to play ball, but to, to, to tap out this soon like they did, uh, with everyone else moving forward was the wrong call and you need to re-examine that and this thing's been a fluid situation in the world because of COVID not just with with athletics not just with football so it's really important uh, to have the right medical presentation this weekend or Monday that's 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 it Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports uh, he is reporting the revote is coming in in the coming days, and it's going to stem around the medical presentation that is put together by the league's return to competition. UNMC has been a voice in this. I think from a momentum standpoint, uh, if if you have Ohio State kind of taking the 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 baton right now, uh, that would be good. And Ohio State is your heaviest hand. Uh, they are your national champion contender, but they're also your 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 best dude, and they want to play ball. So they need to. Their medical experts need to lead the way. Uh, that voice, along with clearly Ryan Day's voice and James Franklin's voice, and hopefully Jim Harbaugh and the athletic director of Michigan, all those voices are hopefully providing sound input. And then Ohio State, their medical experts can prevent, I should say present, sorry, not prevent, present this benchmark plan. And now that you have rapid testing that you're going to be able to get a hold of, and Nebraska's teamed up with UNMC for 15-minute tests for athletes, Pac-12's done this, Big 12 is doing this, you're going to be able to, to chop a couple of things. One, you need to be able to, to, to scan and, and keep an eye on the myocarditis. That's one question that the Council of Presidents and Chancellors are freaked about, which I get. The other side of this, Elijah, too, though, is your contact tracing, right? If you have a test 30 minutes before kickoff, you're going to know who's infected and who's not at time of kickoff, so you're not, you're not having to play this catch-up game of contact tracing. 
And you can test, and Nebraska's going to test both teams. My question is, you got the schools like Nebraska that can handle this. What about the schools that might not be able to get testing stuff like this? I'm talking Rutgers, Maryland, Illinois. I don't. I think I don't. Honestly, I'm not saying it's like you and me ordering a large pizza from Lazari's, but these are highly funded medical research institutions. They can get it if they want to. Yeah. They got to make it a priority to get it. But if they don't make it a priority, will they be willing to vote on a season and say we can let these other schools that have the they need to, go they forward. need to let they need to let those who want to play opt in. And we'll see if that's it. If, 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 uh, who knows if it's all for one, all fourteen got to play or not. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Great to be with you, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Bill Dolman's coming up, and then we talk to a survivor from the South Tower. He and his wife able to escape. Uh, they were on near the 70th floor, and uh, we'll hear Sue Joe John's story in one hour. I'm going to bring in uh, Husker Insider and uh, Hoopster. We uh, love checking in with uh, Derek Peterson at Dr. PDHV on Twitter. Are you uh, on the road or have you stopped for a bowl of soup somewhere out uh, west? Do people stop on long trips for bowls of soup? I'm saying, have you arrived at your destination to eat, my friend? (laughs) No, 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 I still... I got about an hour ahead of me, so. All right. But I'm out. I'm out head of the carney. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what? You're going to check out uh, Heinrich Harburg, and uh, that'll be outstanding. Um, what? Uh, let's talk with Harburg about Harburg for a second. And I know he's the, uh, the the quarterback commit, but have you had a chance to see him before, or is this a, kind of a return visit? Uh, well, this will be the. I'm, the plan is to cover every game for them this season, so this will be the, the third straight week that I've uh, been out to watch them. Um, before this season, I'd only seen tape. I hadn't been mm-hmm. out to the Carney to watch him for his junior year, but yeah, I've seen this will be the third game this season that I've seen him. So, what what's the the wow factor like with him? I mean, he looks, I mean, he looks the part. Um, it was it was funny. I had a conversation with. Greg Smith, and we were kind of talking about Thomas Fedoni and just the kind of mercurial talent that he is. And I had made the comment that because I've been out to Carney practices, um, Carney Catholic practices, their their coaching staff and the, the administration over there has been great and given me some access. Um, so I, I've been, I've watched him in practice, and <clears throat> the team around him is good. Um, they are, I think, second ranked second right now uh, in, in Class C one football in the state. Um, so I don't want it to sound like I'm, I'm, you know, saying that he's just leagues above the rest of his teammates because I don't think that's the case. I think they're good, but it is it is funny when you see a six foot five quarterback out here on a, a practice field that that isn't much, um, just kind of like throwing lasers from one side of the field to the other <laughs> on a rope. He he looks kind of like he just kind of dropped him in. He doesn't look like a guy the kind of quarterback that you would typically find. Um, middle of the state Nebraska so and and when I made that comment to Greg he was like that I kind of feel the same way with with Thomas Fanoni out of Lewis Central it's 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 a testament I think to um Nebraska's evaluation chops as a coaching staff uh, that they found this kid um but you know it's not hard once you start watching him 
to, to realize that he's got some stuff to him. Um, he's, he's, he's tall, he's lean, but he's, he's like sneakily athletic. I don't want to say that cause it has, it, it carries bad connotations mm-hmm. with white guys, but, um, he, he's like, he can move and he can escape the pocket. Um, he, last week he had a, he had a, was either last week or the week before, I think it was last week. My days running ago. I'm sorry. Um, it was a, a fourth down, a key fourth down, and he he kept the read option and he scampered for 20 yards. And it was a, a key play. Uh, it was a big play. It was the right read. Uh, he made some dudes miss. He's got that to his game, but he also is a quarterback. He is a stand in the pocket and deliver dimes. Um, like I said, across the middle of the field, he can he can throw it. He's got some arm strength. Um, he had a 42 yard pass in, in their opener against Wood River that was that was right on the money. Um, on, a, on a corner route across to the right side of the field, he's he's talented, and it it doesn't take long in, into watching him to to realize that that he is a, a serious quarterback. Um, he's not, you know, I think it's what is it since 2003 that the last time Nebraska had a scholarship quarterback from the state. Like he's not kind of a, a feel good story that's really not going to be com- competing for a job at Nebraska. I think he's got a a real opportunity to be a guy that is a starting quarterback for the University of Nebraska. Um, he's got a lot of development left to go, and that's kind of why everybody's goes MO, but I, I think that they are excited about him, and um, it's been nice to to watch him. And, and, and I'm curious to see how he bounces back this week because the opener, it, it wasn't a, it, it wasn't much of a test for him. His, his, his evening was done by halftime. They were up 52-0. Um, and last week, it was kind of a struggle to put the ball in the air. Some of his receivers were dropping um, passes that he was putting on, but he made a couple um, errors in judgment a handful of times. He doesn't have a turnover yet this season, which is nice, but I'll be interested to see how he bounces back tonight um, because, you know, conditions aren't great right now. <laughs> um, and that's kind of across the state, but, like, we'll, we'll see. I think he's a good quarterback, and I'm excited to see what he does tonight. Derek, he didn't have the, the best week through the air last week, but you mentioned that uh, that read option where he got the first down. Is he able to impact the games in other ways than just with his arm? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, he's had a couple of those runs. And, and two, you know, he, I think if I remember in my notes correctly, he was 9 for 21 last week, I think is what I had him down as. Um, but there, it was the third quarter. He escaped a, a collapsing pocket and um, moving – to the right side, moving to his right, he found a receiver downfield for a, a crucial third down pickup, uh, and that helped. They scored on that drive, and that helped them kind of extend the lead. Their defense really put the game away for them, but um, the offense kind of needed a little something to get itself going, and there were plays that Harvard made scrambling uh, that were that were impressive to see. So, yeah, he can absolutely impact it the game um, outside of just standing in the pocket and throwing open receivers. Derek Peterson's with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Well, you're in Kearney tonight. Make sure our old boy Doug Duda buys you uh, a sandwich or, or or something. All right, our friend out at uh, 1460, 1550, our affiliate out in central Nebraska. So, Dr. Petey, uh, do you feel better about this weekend's prospects with – uh, a revote, the representation of medical or the presentation by the competition committee when it comes to medical info, the rapid testing, 
how's the wind blowing for you with uh, with October football? I mean, I think you have to feel better with the direction that things are moving because a couple of weeks ago, Kevin Warren put out a statement and said our decision to postpone won't be revisited, and now they're they're having another meeting where potentially a vote will be on the table. Um, it, there ha- there, there's clearly been some movement, and the hoopla that has been made through various channels over the past weeks have clearly had an impact on the Big Ten. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's the lawsuit or parents or just – immense pressure from the public that has, or maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's medical uh, reasoning that has, that has forced them to kind of, I won't say do an about face, but at least open themselves up to the possibility of revisiting football in the fall. Um, I, I still think that in October 10th, 10th start or whatever the date that's been floated out there, I still think that's like the least likely option. Um, but it's, it's been reported that that's something that they're talking about. You saw on, was it Thursday, um, the Omaha World Herald and the Lincoln Journal Star reported that Nebraska um, had, had secured access to some rapid testing, mm-hmm. some rapid COVID testing for its athletes. I think that's a crucial first step. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't solve the Big Ten's problems that Nebraska can do this. It, it's going to need all 14 schools to have that kind of testing capability to be able to test a guy the morning before a game and have the results back. Um, everybody needs to have that ability. It can't just be a handful of schools. But I think it's a step in the right direction, and I think you saw Nebraska make a push to, to show publicly, hey, we got this. You know, we, we have this available to us. We have these protocols that we can put in place to make football a realistic possibility here. I, I also think, you know, we're going to have, we had, we had an NFL game for the first time this season last night. Um, we're going to have NFL games this weekend. We're going to have college football games this weekend. There's been games that have been canceled already, but I do wonder if, if maybe the big 10 gets through this weekend and then there's, there's some kind of revisiting of a vote early next week mm-hmm. when they can see, okay, the teams that played Saturday, they have test results back now from, from after those games. And maybe that influences their thinking. I'm not sure. But, yeah, to answer your question, I think you have to feel good about the direction it's trending. With Day and, and Franklin coming out and being critical on the communication and leadership, and I don't know how chummy the Zoom calls were this week with the coaches wanting answers, trying to – Say, look, my kids are asking for, for you know, the, the, the why question, and we don't have an answer. You've not given us an answer. I mean, this, this has been a high level of increased pressure on Warren, and now you have the attorney general sounding off with requesting documents and compliance uh, if you're a nonprofit within the state of Nebraska. So that's a whole nother uh you know, bag of worms or can of worms, better yeah. better say it accurately. And so, I mean, I think, though, with Day and Franklin, I mean, Ohio State's got to now kind of lead this narrative because they're they're the big dog and they, they are a championship contender. If things get approved, they got about a minute and a half here, Dr. Petey. If things get approved, let's let's just make this jump and say everyone's got rapid testing. Nebraska will be able to test their kids and whoever's coming to Lincoln. Maybe they take the tests on the road. I don't know. But Nebraska's got the ability to test both teams. 
do you see a, a an eight game schedule or a or a eight game plus one non conference? I mean, what what's the number shrink down to to get in that window for the CFP? Is it just eight, or could you get nine in? I don't know if you can get non conference games still. Those might be out the window at this point. Uh, you can try and get it's a bit. Depends on when you start, because if you want to play for the for the college football playoff, like you, those, the, Ohio State, if they have a team that is, you know, realistically a, a shot at getting in, they're going to want some time off to prepare for that, like they would in a normal season. Mm-hmm. I don't think Ryan Day would be like, sure, we'll go play a college football playoff game, you know, a week after our season ends. Sure. When the team that we're playing, let's say Clemson in this scenario, the team that we're playing has had, you know, the normal four weeks or whatever it is to prepare for this game. I don't, that's not, not fair. You're going to get blown out and embarrassed, but it's not fair. Yeah. Um, if you can get eight games, I think one of the other issues, it's been reported that there might be some opt outs from schools that even if the Big Ten moves forward, there might be some schools that don't want to play mm-hmm. and, and might sit out the season. I don't, I'm really curious about that. I don't know how that works. If if everybody's calling for Nebraska to get kicked out of the conference for wanting to play, what happens if, if there is a Big Ten season and there are schools that don't want to play? Like, is there the same kind of feeling towards those schools? Is there the same kind of, like, breach of contract talk around right. those schools? I don't know. Um, it'd certainly be interesting from a financial standpoint if there are teams that decide to sit out the season. What happens if they're, if they're able to play and, and – Let's say like Minnesota and Purdue and Michigan or something like that sits out the season. That's not reporting. That's just guessing. Um, do they still get the cut of the pie at the end of the year? And that's if a, not, like where does that extra money go? Does it get redistributed to the teams that play it, or does it just go to the Big Ten? Well, uh, questions. Well, well, yeah, questions for sure. We'll tackle those. Stay safe and healthy, and uh, safe travels to you. Thanks for jumping on with us, Derek. Thanks, man. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Big thanks to Derek Peterson, Bill Dolman's coming up, Jeff Mall, Lincoln Convention and Visitors Bureau, and this from Adam Rittenberg a little bit earlier today. One of the uh, points made, the Big Ten Medical Subcommittee really has one shot to sway the presidents and chancellors towards resuming play. It's not going to be revisited over and over throughout the fall. So the presentation, you got to nail it. That goes without saying. Now, you do have this going on. You've got a lot of frustration with the changing timelines from coaches. Originally, it was going to be January, then Thanksgiving, now mid to late October. Don't kid yourself. You've got some schools that haven't had kids on campus. You've got some schools that haven't picked up a football in two weeks, Minnesota. And you've got some schools that are just flat-out distance learning right now, and that's Wisconsin. They're on a two-week don't-show-up-on-campus. So... That's where we're at. 466-3776. 466-3776. 
800-825-5865. We're efforting Jeff Mall, but time try do sell or no? Uh, I've tried both his work and his sell, so. Okay. Well, we'll see if that happens. So let's spend a minute here back to what Derek was kind of wrapping up with. If it comes down to the fact there are 14 schools and you get nine that say, yeah, we want to play ball. Yeah, we can we can secure rapid testing. Yes, we can secure the EKG cardiogram scans for myocarditis. You're going to have some schools that are, that are going to say, yeah, you know, we're not capable of getting the materials. It's a, you're going to have X number of schools in the Big Ten try and figure out a way to not play. Either they're not ready, they're not down with it, they're still scared medically, whatever. I think what you're going to – I've been wrong. I've been right and I've been wrong a, a lot on this because it's changed every other day, all right? What I do believe is this. I think when push comes to shove, you've got the attorney general involved with Nebraska. You've got a high-ranking member of the Ohio uh, gubernatorial circle, state government, threatening the nuclear, we're going to sue you, Big Ten button. (laughs) I think when push comes to shove, you're going to have a handful of Big Ten schools that will be allowed to play. At worst, that option needs to be on the table, as long as they meet health and safety protocol standards. It it make no sense because Rutgers and Minnesota and and, um, Maryland say, look, we can't get access to testing or... We just don't feel safe or we don't want to go, man. Fine. Don't get me eight teams. Get me nine teams. I'm good. Put a schedule together and move forward. We welcome in Jeff Mall, Lincoln Convention and Visitors Bureau. You hear him with first and 10. And uh, Jeff, my man, you've got uh, a, a plethora of choices this weekend to catch Husker uh, Husker football, don't you? Yeah, Chris, it's great to be on the show, and uh, yeah, we're we're super excited. Uh, despite not having football, man, to talk about cityofred.com, it's a it's a great uh, website now that is beginning to populate itself more and more every day with options to watch the game through the Big Ten Network and at the bars and restaurants across our community. Get incredible room specials in our hotels across the community, Chris. We're we're just trying to create a virtual game day, and and we're pretty excited about it. Well, we're super familiar with our friends at The Graduate. Last three years, we've done live shows down there for Home Football Fridays, and uh, it was always awesome, and uh, it will be awesome again, but got specials going on with The Graduate. You've got a number of places to to get a pint, get some wings, and Hey, let's beat Purdue. <laughs> let's beat Missouri. Or let's right. uh, let's check out uh, down at the Cube. You got Colorado, Nebraska, and Iowa overtime. Nebraska in, in 2014. I mean, there's a lot of games to check out. That that virtual allure is very real. It is very real, and I will tell you this. I mean, I remember when the whole pandemic started, and uh, we we were all stuck in our homes watching old clips of, of football games and baseball games. It just wasn't the same feeling when I'm in the basement of my house or I'm with my family watching a football game from back in 1994. But, man, if I can get around a bunch of other people wearing red with some Husker spirit, a bar at a restaurant or a hotel in Lincoln, there's just something that gets a little bit closer to that game day experience. And you're right, the folks at The Graduate are doing some fun things. Our friends at the Kindler Hotel, the Courtyard Marriott, everybody's starting to step up with these, these reasons 
to bring people back into Lincoln because you know what? People that had a football ticket were going to be here anyway on game day weekends. Let's just get him here anyway and enjoy the, the spirit that is uh, Husker game days in Lincoln. Tell us a little more about the idea. A couple minutes here, Jeff, uh, behind cityofred.com and, and just what, what all folks can go kind of search out on the website. You know, cityofred.com was a, a brainchild of Tom Lorenz at Pinnacle Bank Arena and Todd Ogden with the Downtown Lincoln Association. The, the question that we asked each other is how do we – how do we have football with football? So let's say we we have games at Memorial Stadium and we're only seating a, a small percentage of people and all these people are across our community wanting to have fun. What can we do? Well, the scenario that we were forced upon was to do football without football, and that's really the premise of doing something like this. Um, we all need it emotionally, Chris, mm-hmm. but you know the most important thing right now, I think, for all of us is to remember our restaurants and retails have really environment has really um, kind of fought through some desperate times early on in the pandemic. We now shift our focus a little bit to our hotel partners across the community that are faced with three months of significant losses without that game day traffic. And, and we really want people to, to get out, get a room, um, whether it be a staycation or a, a night out on the town on a Friday or Saturday, and you know, be a part of that red experience. And it's really just kind of create a connection with folks that we're not giving up at the Convention and Visitors Bureau, the Chamber of Commerce, and we don't want people to give up out there either that there is the ability for us to, to share that passion with one another. That'd be an awesome weekend, man. You, you book a room, you go watch a game, and uh, you can check out cityofred.com to do so. And so many different games on at, at various locations. Yeah. that are. It, it, and it's fun to rewatch. And, you know, Jeff got about a minute here. We may hopefully get some good news Sunday or Monday here with with a potential revisit and revote with the Big Ten. Right. Yeah, I'm starting to feel that same thing. And in the things that I've been, uh, you know, hearing and reading out there is it certainly sounds like there could be some things shaken loose. And boy, do I hope so, because to have some football in this community, um, Husker football in October or November or, or whenever it may be, the sooner the better. Um, it's just going to be an amazing experience. I'm getting chills just talking about it, Chris. I can't wait to get back with you, buddy. And start talking about Husker football again and, and getting us right back where we belong. No, absolutely. Well, uh, touch that horseshoe above your your, uh, your office door. All right, we'll get there <laughs> soon. And cityofred.com is uh, where you, you check it out. And uh, Jeff Mall Lincoln Convention and Visitors Bureau doing a great job, not only with the uh, hotels and restaurants and local business owners, but uh, a one-stop uh, website for you to check things out. Jeff, we'll talk soon, and, and thanks for making time today. All right. Thanks for the time. Have a great weekend. You too. There he is, Jeff Mall with his Lincoln Convention and Visitors Bureau. Check out cityofred.com. And uh, that sounds like a plan, man. Go check out a ball game. Check out the Cube, of course, down with uh, Hale Varsity and Hurt at. We'll wind down Hour 1 coming up. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Bill Dolman's coming up. Quick reminder about drinking and driving and uh, buckling up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska are not wearing their seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce risk of injury and fatal injury up to 60%. Your best defense is in any crash is buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Ten minutes away, Bill Dolman. 525, our conversation with a survivor. From the South Tower on 9-11, Sujo, John, Coach Gingery, Lincoln East coming up at 540. John is on hold. John is in with Hale Varsity Radio. John, go ahead. Well, I know on the 25th of September at 2.30 in District Court, 
Susan Strong's courts are going to make a decision whether to go forward with the lawsuit. But that brings me back to what you were talking to the doctor about preparing if you were going to play in the playoffs and not having enough time. What type of product is Nebraska going to put on the field if they could play October 3rd like you wanted to when they're not on the training table and all these other schools have been going full bore, you know, like they're going to have a regular season? Isn't the Big Ten going to be really far behind in terms of not within their conference, but getting ready if they would play for a national championship the winner. I, mean, I, I think, think I think it's it's been uneven, but I think there are some programs that have been preparing every day every day like they're gonna play. I, I think well, that's that, good. I think there are yeah. some that haven't. I think there are some that have. And as soon as you get the the thumbs up from the Council of Presidents, mm-hmm. I think you open the training table back up clearly. And you're not so far removed. I mean, Nebraska's been practicing four times a week. They've not been able to smack each other. But it's not like they haven't been working out and, and staying as up to speed as they're, they're allowed to. Now, if, if you're Minnesota and you just got back to work yesterday, that's kind of on you. And, John, I'd also say a bad product on the field. I don't think it's going to be a bad product on the field. But even if the team comes out and they only had three weeks of practice or whatever it is, a bad product in the field is better than no product on the field for oh, me, agree for the players, I'm for everyone. I'm just saying it makes sense to play now, not in January, because what are you playing for? Well, nothing. Your yeah. point Your point is this. You don't want to go look like Navy in game one to either. I mean, uh, go. Well, we'll be playing with our own conference, so it won't be that bad. By the time we decide a winner of the Big Ten, they would be in pretty good shape to play for a national title, I think. Yeah, you're going to ramp up. You just got to you got to see how it rolls. John, thanks for listening. Thanks for the yeah, phone yeah, call. Thank you. Appreciate Take care. It. Take care and be healthy. You too, man. Take care. Yeah, I look. It's going to be different. It's going to be awkward, but you're not going to be that far behind if and when the SEC kicks off here the 26th. A week, two weeks, maybe. Maybe it's October 17th. Maybe you get a warm-up game October 3rd. It really kind of comes down to what is your plan amidst COVID and shutdown, a.k.a. postponement, been like? And uh, Nebraska and Coach Frost and his chief of staff, and they have had plans in place to at least stay after it, as is Ohio State. If I'm the one making the rules here, I'm going to let them do a red-white scrimmage one week before game one mm-hmm. and that lets you test out your your fans in the stands if you want to have those as well and all your protocols and it gives you a chance to warm up and get one game like experience then get into the season at the end of october that's how i'd do it well and there are some potential cancellations it isn't going to go smoothly so someone may want to pick up a game there's there's why maybe you have that eight plus one idea bill dolman's coming up Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, uh, John Gingery, Lincoln East, head man, coming up in 30 minutes, a survivor from the South Tower. As we remember 9-11, Sue Joe John, 
Coming up in uh, 20 minutes, we welcome in the pride of Fairbury with NBC Sports. He had to wear his parka this week. Bill Dolman is with us. Billy D, is the snow all gone? Snow's all gone, and I think it's supposed to be like uh, upper 80s tomorrow. It's been kind of a, a crazy weather week out here in Denver. We are getting 70s tomorrow and I think Sunday, 80s, uh, Monday. So we haven't had, uh, you know, snow, but it's been a, a, a wee bit chilly. It's been fall football weather, man, and we may have uh, better news. As you've kind of observed from Buffland or Donkeyland, whichever you prefer, what's your take been on the week? Not only with James Franklin and, and Ryan Day, but now you have the Attorney General for the state of Nebraska. <laughs> Checking. I'm thinking of of, of uh, Al Pacino and Incentive of a Woman. Uh, I'm out of order. You're out of order. I'll show you out of order, man. And the the old compliance check, Billy D. I, I'm I'm reading and hearing, and I'm wondering: Is Nebraska trying to get kicked out of the Big Ten? <laughs> and then I'm, I'm going. Now, but here's one thing, okay. I want to take you back to uh, November 20th of 2010, all right? Because if there is football in the Big Ten this year, you know damn well that there's going to be 16 penalties for 145 yards that are going to be marked off against Nebraska, okay? (laughs) So every whoever's playing Nebraska, uh, whenever the season begins, better decline every penalty thrown against the Huskers because without Nebraska – there is no possibility of football at all in 2020. So when they decide to go, you know, all yellow flag against the Huskers, then everybody needs to, especially at Ohio State, at Penn State, because all of a sudden Ryan Day and James Franklin are like, oh, look how tough these guys are. Meanwhile, Nebraska's over here going, hey, we're the ones, like I said many weeks ago, we're the ones who brought them in on a wheelbarrow. Mm. And you all were like amazed at what we were doing, us hayseeds and our – in our overalls, but it's Nebraska who has been the power in the Big Ten for the past, what, uh, month plus now? Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, look at Ryan Day, look at James Franklin, and Scott Frost is going, you know, I, 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 uh, what Frost, about us? You Frosty's know? going, you're welcome. That's what he's doing. Right, I mean, exactly. And Nebraska right now, and I said this many weeks ago, and Nebraska has been the leader, the leader in the Big Ten, and it, and and that goes in the in a, I shouldn't say goes in the face of, but it is in a conference that has no administrative leadership right now. Let me take it back even further. Uh, when the Big Ten Network first came on the air, this is get, get, give you an idea of the power of Jim Delaney mm. when he was the commissioner of the conference and arguably the most powerful man in all of college sports. When the Big Ten Network went on the air, uh, I was I did some volleyball and some other uh, events for the network in its, in its infancy, mm-hmm. right? And they were following in the model of what we had done at the Mountain West Sports Network, which was the first ever collegiate sports uh, television network. So I mean, we may not have been in the headlines, and many people may have forgotten about the Mountain, but the Mountain is a little bit like Scott Frost in Nebraska. We took all the arrows, and Big Ten Network – you know, has has gone on to great things, but it was it was the Mountain that established it. Well, Jim Delaney, you know, looked at what we had done for the Mountain West, which enjoyed its best success back then. And in those early days of the Big Ten Network, I can remember that there were grumblings throughout the conference that this is not going to work. This is a bad idea. We got to be on ESPN. We got to be on Fox. We got to, you know, th- this Big Ten Network is not going to work. And I'm talking about powerful basketball coaches 
within the state of Michigan, okay? And yeah. they were trying to get the the Big Ten Network basically shut down early on, and Delaney said, shut up. This is the way we're going. This is going to work, but everybody's getting behind this. And all of those coaches and all of those administrators who were nitpicking like BYU did at the Mountain, they were shut up quick, and look where the Big Ten Network is. Delaney had the power to tell it didn't matter who it was. It didn't matter what coach it was. It didn't matter what athletic director or president. Remember, the commissioners really operate at the behest of the president. It's much like an NFL or NBA commissioner does. It's the owners who select the guy who's going to take the arrows for them. And so Warren is basically their face, you know, their front man. But Delaney back then had all the power. And, and right now there is no administrative leadership in the Big Ten. And the leader in this conference, without question, is Nebraska, even though Day and Franklin right now are the ones who are getting the headlines. Nebraska's kind of just been the old reliable fullback that's going to go murder a linebacker and gets the running back into the end zone here. No, it, but again, you've got these lawsuits that are out there. You know, I think one of there's supposed to be some discovery like tomorrow or something for the, I think the players. And now you've got the Doug Peterson thing on the 21st. I mean, these, these people at Michigan and, oh, well, I shouldn't say Ohio State and Penn State because, you know, they're like standing right behind Nebraska, mm-hmm. but they're going, uh, we got to get rid of these people. <laughs> we, we have got to get rid of these guys because they're screwing it up for all of us guys wearing bow ties, and it's not working out real well. That's about right. Okay, so – Nebraska is partnered with UNMC. They're going to have rapid testing, not just for Husker players, but also the teams that Nebraska is playing. Again, uh, Nebraska is at the forefront of this whole thing. And this, this, is, this is athletics aside. Yeah. Back when this thing first started making headlines in, in you know, the early part of this year, and even you go back to Ebola, it was always, you know, what's going on at the, US, uh, the UNMC? Nebraska was always at the forefront of that. And once again, they – you know, the nation turns its eyes to what's going on at the UNMC again. And, and I said this many weeks ago on the show that, you know, people in the Big Ten ought to look to Nebraska because the, the medical center is in the backyard. And you know damn well the administration and the athletic department are all in cooperation with the UNMC. So Nebraska, uh, as a state, as, as institutions, they're at the front line of this thing. And... And, 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 you know, I look at this Michigan president. People keep talking about him as, you know, it's like, well, he's not signing off on it because he's an epidemiologist. Okay, well, if, it seems to me that his full-time job is that of being an administrator to the University of Michigan system. And he's probably not on the front lines of what's going on. It's not in, answering Jim Harbaugh's this. phone calls. I know well, that. Well, yeah, but so he's reading reports that are probably coming out of the UNMC. But Nebraska has that has that resource in its backyard. They, they know exactly what's going on. This, I, I'm sorry if I'm going to say his name wrong, but this uh, Scott Kepsel, uh, who's going to head up this thing in the Mushroom Gardens, um, it, it just seems to me that this guy at Michigan ought to be going to Nebraska, like, well, what are you guys finding out? He doesn't want Instead to play. Of, right, well, exactly. And, and, I mean, I don't understand how Michigan can have, you know, a, a, a large amount of high school football that's been blessed by the governor and – and now you've got, you know, two major institutions that don't want to play. And I know we got the big game with Central Michigan coming up on Saturday, but it, it's just really kind of odd to me. That was, that, 
that was that was a week ago they just reinstated high school ball that, that the, the Michigan president barely I mean he this summer bill he was he was about ready to get rigged out of office I mean they had a no confidence vote going for the guy but again everybody keeps saying well he's an epidemiologist okay well great but it seems to me your full-time else. job is running is 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 running an academic institution. You know, Nebraska's got people who are on the front line of this pandemic, not just for what's going on within our borders, but for the entire country. And you would think that Nebraska's got a pretty good plan in place. That's another thing that I heard in the media recently was that not every school in the Big Ten has a plan. I'm like, what? How is that possible this far into this thing? Who was not at the forefront and who didn't have foresight at all these other institutions? They're just, you know, you know, nodding along. And it, the Big Ten, in, in some respects, reminds me of the old days of the Big Eight and, and the Big 12 when it was, you know, Nebraska and Oklahoma basically running the Big Eight and Nebraska and Texas and Oklahoma running the Big 12. And then you had, a, you know, the other conferences just, you know, like little birds in a nest waiting for, you know, Big Bird to drop, a, drop the worm and just nodding in agreement. And nobody's, you know, standing up for themselves. Uh, and that's the way it seems to be in the Big Ten is that you've got, I, I said this before, what have you heard from Minnesota other than dropping sports now? You don't hear anything really from Indiana. Their Board of Regents voted down today, but they didn't like the plan that was presented. And they're ticked off that they've even got to be bothered with it. They said, well, some of the regents are like, Didn't, that's not, isn't that why we have an athletic director to make this decision to play or not? Why is it our problem? I mean, you got nobody on the same page at a lot of schools. You got a lot. You have some coaches, I believe, that don't want to play because they're not ready. I mean, Minnesota just got back to campus. And here's what I hope happens this weekend. I hope the green light's given for those who want to play to be able to play and then figure out the schedule. I think that'd be great. And I think people would probably at this point, and again, I said this last week, everything just seems like an exhibition anyway, right? It just doesn't seem like a real season. Baseball doesn't seem real. You know, the NFL, I know they're starting, that didn't have any feel last night. It was, it the was odd. Seems to have come off well has been hockey, but the, this whole thing with, you know, play a home and home, <laughs> you know, who's in. Okay. We've got eight teams that want to play. All right, home and home. And if you don't want to play at your home, we'll meet you in Indy. And based on what I read today, Nebraska is prepared to play games at home with the, with the amount of rapid testing that, uh, that has been talked about. I think they said we could handle two teams on game day. Well, that sounds to me like Nebraska is preparing to host, host games, you know, and not go play in some bubble. But if, if, if Rutgers wants, wants to play but doesn't want anybody in New Jersey, we'll, we'll play a home game in Indy. All right, well, let's let's get it done, and I'm sure Nebraska would, you know, load up a yellow school bus and and, and you know have Brian George drive him there, and next thing you know, mm-hmm. you got a game. But I think at this point, if you said who's all in, okay, we're playing home and away, let's get ten games in or twelve games in, and let's just call it a season, and and <laughs> let's not even keep score. What the hell? Let's just play. I'm interested to see what transpires we all are and it doesn't does it does the big 10 and commissioner warren does it have to be all 14 schools that opt in to play because remember we're talking a month ago nebraska was getting slapped because they wanted to go explore the opportunity to play if if 
the Big Ten wasn't going to play. Same with Ohio State. Those are the two schools that were bold about doing that. Iowa wants to ball. Penn State does. I know Barry Alvarez wants to kick off. Um, I, I would think Harbaugh Michigan should be able to get the green light. I think Tom Allen, everyone's junior high gym teacher, uh, said, you know what, let's play ball. He wants to ball. I think, I don't know where, I look at, I look at Sparty, I look at Brom, and I look at Fleck. I look at those three schools. And to be honest with you, I don't know where Northwestern's at. I mean, don't got, forget, don't forget Rutgers in Illinois or Maryland, because I know they're easy to forget. They, they don't so, want to play, dude. They're, they're not right, ready exactly. and they're they're infected. I mean, just but you know what? Watch. So those schools that want to play, I'm sure that if you put Scott and all of his peers in a room together, and Bill Moose and all of his peers that want to play, you could hammer out some type of a schedule. And like I said, if it's got to be home and home or West West teams play a couple of games against each other, fine. It, this just seems like everything is an exhibition at this point. And if you don't want to play, then then lace them up in January or February and put your games together and then go play the MAC, go play the Mountain West and whatever other conferences, go play Pac-12 schools mm-hmm. and, and go have your spring season and, and, and you know, fill out your schedule that way. But we're going to move forward because we want to, and in Nebraska's case, economically, we need to, mm. and then hopefully it all passes mustard with Desmond Howard. Clearly. Well, and last side here, Bill, you've had a number of national columnists, and, and I know you've, in your career, you, you've had conversations. We've had them on Average Joe Sports Shows of yesteryear, but you just seem to have some some national journalists that, that are just hell-bent on trying to shoot this down, and it's, I mean, Twitter's a, a cesspool, but... It's gotten really personal. I mean, and you have a lot of fan bases going off on the Dennis Dodds, Pat Forties, Nicole Arbox. I mean, they're all taking arrows, man. And I, I think I think it's gotten personal by some of the writers uh, in their responses and what what they're writing. I mean, they're trying to deliver information, but they're also, I think, trying to craft the narrative. There's no question about that, and and you know that's really kind of the dirty secret about how some of this works. Uh, when, when it comes to, you know, nowadays it's clicks, but, you, you know, some of these pregame shows, and, and look, I, I've worked thousands of them in mm-hmm. my career, and, and, and I know people who have worked thousands of them, and you will have people on these sets, and it's like, who believe you know, you'll have these pre-productions meetings and say, who believes this? Well, I kind of do, and I kind of do too. Well, are you leaning one way or the other? Well, I guess I could be more anti-Nebraska, let's say. All right, well, then you do that, Desmond. And then, Kirk, you say this, and then Lee, just say something coherent, we'll back you up. And then David Pollack. I mean, and, and that, that, you know, we'll that's really universal. And, and if somebody has a really hardcore opinion on it, then they'll let them go off on it. And you say, okay, who wants to counter that? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, that's how a lot of it works. A lot of it is scripted or planned out, or, you know, there's a lot of pro wrestling. <laughs> pro wrestling might be more real than some, you know, debate shows on television. That's all fair. right. And, and I think that's, you know, in part what you see, I mean, I'm watching, you know, actually I shouldn't say I watch cause I don't watch a lot of game day and have it for mm-hmm. almost 20 years, but you know, you've got Desmond Howard, uh, what three, four weeks ago, you know, saying Nebraska needs to be kicked out of the conference and you should not play yet game day goes on with college football. And he's there analyzing conferences that are going ahead and playing. Well, if he doesn't think Nebraska and the Big Ten should be playing, then shouldn't you stand on something and say, 
Well, I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dignify these other conferences either by playing. You know, it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's about consistency. So, yeah. So it, you know, tr- trust me, a lot of those things are are like watching pro wrestling, and they just they figured out the PTIs and they're around the horns, mm-hmm. and it's who's got this opinion, who believes in it more, and who can argue for it best. Okay, that's the direction that we're going to go. And that's the way it is. Bill Dolman's with us. Billy D, we'll check in next Friday. Be Don't safe. Don't tell anybody, though, because that's a bit of a secret. <laughs> you take care, buddy. Thanks for the time right, today. Go Big Red. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Pretty powerful moment is... Barrett Root remembers 9-11 and then our conversation with a survivor who uh, escaped the South Tower uh, back on 9-11, Sujo John. So I was a freshman in college. I had an 8 a.m. English class that I went to. My routine was usually I went to that English class and sometimes I'd come home and get a little nap. Flip the TV on and obviously saw uh, the news. I think it was Peter Jennings was already starting his broadcast. My immediate reaction was obviously shock like everybody else, anger, sadness. And then after that, you know, you didn't really know what to do. I think uh, that was uh, what I remember the most is is nobody really knew how to react to something like that because it was something so unique uh, for our the tunnel walk was one of the most memorable ones I'll ever have uh, in my lifetime. We had some servicemen and a fireman lead us out. The fireman was by himself and he had a, uh, a single flag. I remember the crowd had a uh, you know, huge buzz about it and it was really cool for me as a player to be out there on the field watching those guys, the servicemen, lead everybody out there with their own you know, flag, you know, something all, all the way With the 9-11 anniversary approaching, I think it's important that we never forget the impact that it made on us as a nation, but also how it brought us closer together. It's a day of remembrance, September 11th, and we have a survivor's story, and uh, welcome in with Sujo John. Sujo, thanks for a few minutes. It's been a few years since we've spoke. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. It is definitely uh, one of those days where we reflect and and think about what happened to America. It's hard to believe. It almost almost feels like it happened maybe a a year, a year or two ago. Sujo, take us through your story of folks are unfamiliar with... September 11, 2001, not only how the day started for you, but uh, but the miraculous survival uh, that you and, and your wife experienced. You know, that day started off as a beautiful day in New York City. In fact, it was a great week. Schools had just opened, and uh, it was a beautiful, clear, cloudless day that, that morning, and then everything changes forever. I would work on the 81st floor of the North Tower. My wife, Mary, she would work on the 71st floor of the South Tower. We both working uh, in the building and uh, around that time she was four months pregnant and we are so looking forward to the birth of that child. That morning I left home around um, 7, 7.15 in the morning, head out into the New York City. I make my way to the 81st floor and uh, got busy with work that morning at about 8.48, in fact 8.46. That's when I hear this incredible explosion. That was American Flight 11 flying coast to coast from Boston to LA, carrying uh, over 10,000 gallons of jet fuel. This plane comes crashing into our tower. Uh, The major impact was on the 90th and above, but 
because of the angle at which the plane crashed into the towers, part of the wing of the, t- uh, of the plane tears into a floor, uh, fire breaks on the floor, the smell of jet fuel was so intense, the heat was so intense, and as we look up, we could see a huge crater. We can actually see 10 floors directly above us. So we start fighting our way to the fire, looking for a way to get out of the building. We find a stairwell, and we start running down that stairwell, only to be joined by thousands of people from all these floors. But I'm thinking about my wife, who works on the other tower, and uh, we had left uh, home separately. Uh, yeah, ever since she was pregnant, she would sleep a little longer, and then join me in the towers. But I knew she had left home for work, so I'm trying to reach out to my cell phone. I borrow the phones of all the people running down that stairwell with me, but cell phones would not work. And then we hear another explosion, and uh, all those who are listening to me right now, you you remember seeing that on your television set. That was the second plane crashing into the second tower. Uh, the moon was so the loud, the noise was so intense. So I continued my descent down with a very heavy heart. But I get to the 40th or the 44th floor, and I saw this picture of these incredibly brave firemen and policemen, one by one, making their way up. And if I could, I just want to pause there for a moment because the story of 9-11, in a way, it's about these men, uh, the, the bravest of America who, who showed the world what this country is made up of. That, uh, you know, when there's tragedies that happen in our community, uh, when the shootings going on, it's these people that step in this place of danger, wanting to make sure that people like me are around to be sharing our story. And I hope today, especially in America, all across America, that, that we as a nation will take uh, it seriously what a law enforcement does. I'm appalled that we now live in an America where authority is not respected and policemen are treated uh, so horribly across this country. Just a few days ago, you know, I was speaking somewhere and a policeman came up and said, I appreciate what you, what you said from, from the platform because we live in a place of fear. I mean, policemen are, are just targets. I just want to say all lives matter in America and, and I'm just so appreciative of our policemen and firemen and EMT staff that, 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 uh, that every day step in a place of danger. But anyway, we passed all those men that morning saying you guys are the real heroes God be with you we continue to descend down it took me an hour and 20 minutes to come down 81 floors I'm on the plaza level bodies and body parts of people that have jumped out of the building the few slides were playing lying there and it was just a picture of death a picture of just horror and that's when I felt like what if I walked towards the south tower on the concourse level if my wife has not made her way up what if she's somewhere near a building and that's where in a way my story begins. I'm, I'm walking towards the South Tower and from the concourse level, that's when the unthinkable happens. The South Tower begins to implode and going down. I was with 15, 20 people and that's when, uh, you know, for the first time in my life, I find myself walking to the valley of the shadow of death. So uh, my faith is something that I really leaned on that morning and I said, God, if I die, where will I go? And I had this peace that if I were to die, I would go to make this place called heaven. 20 people that are with me, I asked them to call upon the name of Jesus. We prayed for a few minutes the deafening noise of this building going down and then we were buried I was trapped in debris thought I was going to die could not breathe but then I think someone pulled me and it turned out to be an FBI agent we both started pulling each other we couldn't breathe but we saw a faint red light through the smoke and through the ash we started crawling and feeling our way towards the light it's a flashing light that was coming out of an ambulance that led us out of the pit this man runs back the North Tower collapsed on him he's actually the only FBI agent to have died that day so I'm out of debris 
both the towers have collapsed and no I mean I've given up hope about my wife dust smoke ash rising out of ground zero and it's, it's been several hours since the planes have crashed in uh, New York City had been turned into a war zone and I'm thinking God why did you spare my life for sure my wife is dead and now as I'm thinking those thoughts my cell phone begins to ring for the very first time that day and it's my wife on the other side and I had just given up hope about her but miraculously uh, God had you know preserved her life she was she was saved she gets on the last train that made its way that morning into the towers by then the north tower is hit she's pushed out of the building she sees men and women jumping out of the building bodies landing around her she sees a second plane crash in her tower and she thought I could be one of them that's jumping out of the building a girl grabs her and says you have to live for this child you're carrying and takes her, my wife on that place, takes her to an apartment in Manhattan and stays with her till she was able to reach me. So that's our story of how God in a miraculous way uh, spared our lives and uh, life did not make sense to us that day and the many weeks and months that went on, you know, so many people had to die and the question was, God, why were we spared? And then my faith is something that I've uh, really leaned on since that day and I just I began to realize life on earth is short. It's short. No one knows the appointment time or day uh, and there will be that appointed day that every human being will have we're here today we could be gone tomorrow but what's important is when we go through the trials of life and we go through things in life and everybody has a story those that are listening to me all of us have a story someone's story this morning about is about health someone's is about marriage what's important is when you go through your story you better have a family to hold, hold on to a faith to lean on and a country to put your feet on and that's what I've learned through my story uh, three things that I, I, I lean on completely to, to help me go through the stones of life. Sujo John, surviving 9-11, Hail Varsity Radio. Uh, you were on the first tower. You were on the 81st floor. You got out. You made your way to the second tower. It collapsed. You were buried in debris. You were saved by the one FBI, FBI agent that perished on 9-11. As you look back and this date, this day comes year in, year out, how are you able to... To, to reach out and provide comfort to others who, who did lose loved ones. You know, every now and then my path will cross with someone who lost a loved one. Um, and uh, not only was I lost a loved one on 9-11, but even more importantly, uh, number-wise, I've met so many uh, family members of those that lost a family one, a member who served in the military in Iraq or Afghanistan. Sure. And many of them actually enlisted in the military because of what 9-11 happened. And it's very hard when I, when I meet those family members I met widows, I met children, and it's a difficult moment. And all I can tell them is thank you. And all I can hope and pray and rally America is that we support our, those that wear these uniforms. We support our heroes of this country. But we also realize that the threat of radical Islam is real. And I often feel that's kind of my pain. That's kind of the, the thought that I, I take, look back as, as 9-11 approach, approaches. You know, After 9-11, we never thought we would have a president who would go weak on the war against terrorism. We thought our, our president our Congress will do all they can to stop terrorist attacks from happening. And now you see ISIS. I mean, they have morphed into something bigger than Al-Qaeda. And, you know, Al-Qaeda was around before 9-11, and we didn't do much before 9-11 to take out Al-Qaeda. And now we have ISIS. 14 years post 9-11, uh, the world is dealing with ISIS. The captures has 50% of Syria with them, a big chunk of Iraqi territory with them. They're in Nigeria. They are in, um, in um, I forget, in parts of Egypt. So it 
it's, it's a force that we have to deal with. And now this refugee crisis, I mean, there's going to be Arabs and, and people from that part of the world coming to America. And I just worry, are we safe? Are our borders safe enough? Because we cannot be take, take this enemy lightly. They have only one mission, to destroy America and to destroy Israel. And if we are not on our guard, uh, we, we, are, we could be under attack again. Sujo John with his escape to the 81st floor of Tower One, a survivor on uh, September 11th. He shares his story. Sujo, a few minutes left. What has life been like since for you with your wife and uh, with your child? Great question. Thank you. You know, my wife was pregnant at that time with boy, and now she's 20 years of age, and that's a miracle story. Because my wife inhaled all that stuff, and we were told to abort the baby, and we decided to go through with that pregnancy. So it's a great pro-life story. He's an athletic, great kid. We've had two other kids since then, and I walked away from the corporate world post 9/11. God started opening doors, and for me, it was important to share my faith. So that's what I do across America, around the world. And these last six years have been very special. You know, I was rescued on 9/11. And then my life mission now is to go into the red light districts of the world and rescue women that are trapped in human trafficking. I remember being in one of the brothels in India and seeing 37,000 girls trapped in cells and cages. And it hit me at that moment that I was rescued physically. I was rescued spiritually. And I need to be in a mission to rescue. So we're not pulling out girls in Eastern Europe from, from sex trafficking. We're pulling girls in Asia and we operate safe houses in Europe and in Asia. And uh, it's just amazing amazing to see these lives being uh, life stories being rewritten uh, and our work is called You Can Free Us and that's kind of my mission you know God has given us a platform to speak with my story but uh, I use that as a platform to raise resources so we can go and rescue some lives Sujo how can folks get in touch with you uh, and your organization they can go to youcanfree.us that's youcanfree.us or if they just google by name something could come up and uh, thank you for asking there's 37 million people caught up in slavery and I believe with all my heart that there's a mandate upon this generation to end this evil of, of trafficking modern day slavery it cannot go on and people who uh, people who want to do something in a, in a, we, let's get in the game and end this evil Sujo, uh, blessings to you, your family. Thanks for sharing your story with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. God bless you guys. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on AFR City Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity, and excited to talk with the uh, head coach for Lincoln East football, Coach John Gingery. Coach, off to a 2-0 start. How you doing? How's your, how you navigating the school year, first and foremost? <laughs> well, i tell you what, it's different, uh, Chris. Everything we're doing now is different, and uh, with the Zooming and halftime and social distancing and everything is everything is totally different than it's ever been before, so it's an adjustment. I mean, it's, it's, and we approach it, this could be our last game. Every game we uh, take, we're not going to take for granted just because uh, we never know. Uh, how has that adjustment been uh, with your kids? I mean, you uh, have put up a, a ton of points on offense. You've been really good on defense. But let's go back to this summer, Coach, and just what's what? give us a, a little bit of a description of some of the, the leadership that's been exhibited by your kids. 
Yeah, it's uh, the tough part is uh, the limited numbers that we had this summer and opportunities to get them uh, in the weight room working out. I mean, just contact was was very, very limited. So, you know, when the, the season started, we were fortunate enough to get a couple weeks of camp in uh, at the end of July. But it wasn't everybody. I mean, you just didn't have that full contact you normally have. So, really, everything is more condensed, and it felt like we were always behind trying to get everything where it needed to be. So, it was an adjustment that way. How's the uh, the attitudes been for the kids as they work towards hoping that there would be kickoff? I know that uh, they're they're excited that they've been able to get two games in, but what type of steadying influence have you been able to provide for them? Well, it's been great. Kids are just excited just to have the opportunity. I mean, practices have been good. They've been spirited. We've had uh, some really good practices. We've had some, you know, the, the, the turnout for the game for the kids has been good that way. Uh, but it hasn't, uh, that part of it hasn't changed. They're just happy to be playing sports. Mm-hmm. John Gingery's with us, East uh, Football uh, on ESPN Lincoln tonight as Norfolk comes to town. Coach, uh, who are folks going to be listening for tonight uh, with your your team? Give folks uh, kind of a preview, if you could, uh, with with what you got. I know Carter Glenn's been on the roster for quite a while, but uh, you also have uh, Noah uh, at quarterback. And, and this kid, man, Noah Walters has, has been pretty special for you, hasn't he? Yeah, he really has. Uh, and, and being a junior... He's really stepped up and, uh, and given us some good leadership at that position. But like you said, you know, we've got uh, Austin Snyder and Cooper Erickson, uh, Kendrick McCray, and we have a number of receivers that have played a lot of football for us. So any one of those kids could go off at any time if Noah puts the ball in the right place. Billy Stevenson, a running back, started last year, so we have a lot of returners. Uh, Quentin Adams on defense, Grant Springer on defense, Noah Fisher. Uh, and a lot of the same names on defense or on offense. So, Gigi Creighton up front and Jacob Ryan. Uh, a lot of kids played a lot of football for us last year. So, you know, you can hear a lot of names that were on the, on the field last year. Coach Gingery's with us here on ESPN Lincoln, previewing East and Norfolk tonight. So you've got that returning experience, and, and some of the kids are seniors, some of them are juniors. But you had a, a bit of a, a young team last season that really kind of performed well for you. And, man, the momentum's carried over. And what do you like most? What, what's, a, what's a key trait about this team collectively that you think is, is pretty nice? Well, I think they like each other. <laughs> they That's they good. get along real well. The camaraderie is good. Uh, they push each other. You know, that part of it is uh, they hold each other accountable. And that part of it is huge. And so as, as far as leadership, we have a whole bunch of seniors that are bringing leadership to the table. And it's through their actions, I think, that uh, that gives us the uh, the kind of performance that we're looking for on the field and off the field, as far as that goes. Give me a sneak peek into this NASCAR offense. There's been tempo. It's one thing to want to do tempo; it's another thing to to execute it. And you guys have been able to do that. Yeah, you know, I think it can work both ways, as you know. I mean, if you're three and out, your opponents have the ball right away. So if we can get the tempo up and run, and I think it works in our favor. You know, the kids say it's it's a lot tougher on the defense than it is on the offense. So you know, the splits, the spreading, the uh, the routes, 
all those things work together, and uh, it's, it helps us get things going. If we're in a lull, you know, we jump in an ass car and kind of pick the uh, pick the pace up a little bit. It works in our favor. What, what, what percentage would you say you've, you've done NASCAR? Uh, is, I mean, not not to get too super technical or specific, but has it been a spark? Has it been that necessary spark? Yeah, it really has. I think we run it about 50% of the time. So once uh, once we get in, and, and you know what? If we start slow and it's not working, we don't stay in it very well. We jump right back out of, out of it and get into our spread offense. So if it's, if it's on, we stay with it. And... Uh, and if it's if it's if it's a good thing for us, you know, we may run it for quite a while. So, it's it's been about fifty percent of the time right now. But with the kids we have uh, receiving the ball and and throwing the ball, obviously, it makes it pretty tough on defenses. Coach Gingery, what'd you learn about your kids, or what what they show you last week? Papio South, uh, tight ball game, tough ball game. There were some ups and downs, some thrills, and some disappointment. But man, what a what a finish for you guys. Well, I think the resilience, you know, I challenged them at halftime. I mean, we gave up a pick six and another interception. and um, We had the uh, roughing the kicker that kept the drive alive. I think there was three drives that we uh, gave them an assist on. I said, hey, we got to stay with this. We're going to be okay, and we'll put points on the board, but we just can't keep, them, keep making the same mistakes we've been making. And fortunately, uh, they came out and played pretty darn well in the second half. And as you said, Papio South is a good team. They're physical and uh, they run a, a great zone offense up front, and uh, they were tough. It was a, it was a good game for us. We learned a lot. What's stuck out about Norfolk? Uh, in they've only had one game, but what what impressions have they left you from film study this week? Well, I think you know the one thing Tom Olson. I mean, he's a great coach. He's been doing it for a long time, and he knows what he's doing. And, and uh, they're resilient. You know, uh, against Bellevue East, they they stayed with it. Obviously, I think Columbus is, is a lot better team than people give them credit for being, and they're going to win a lot of games this year. So, But I think the fact that uh, they just keep coming at you, they don't slow down, they, they blitz a lot, um, they run a lot of different things on their offense, they're no level offense too. So you've got to be ready for multiple facets on, on both sides of the ball. What's a, a, a concern or a point of emphasis this week uh, with Norfolk as you got ready? Well, I think just uh, stay in the stay in the course. Okay. And we want to go out and we want to establish ourselves early. We want to play better defense. Uh, no turnovers. Uh, you know, we don't want to give them a lot of opportunities because, as I said, I think they're well coached. And if you give them a lot of opportunities, they're gonna they're gonna hurt you. John Gingery's with us, head coach Lincoln East, and it's uh, always great to chat with Coach Gingery. Norfolk and East kick off tonight, and you'll hear that here on ESPN Lincoln a little bit before eight. Coach, you're uh, fantastic. You're so much fun to chat with. I really appreciate what you do for the kids and what you've done for Lincoln football for a number of years, and we look forward to seeing you tonight. Thanks for the time today. Well, I appreciate you guys. I mean, we appreciate you. Uh putting the games on and putting in the time as well, Chris. It means a lot to the kids and obviously now a lot to the, to the fans that can't come to those games. So thank you for what you do, buddy. Coach, you take care. We'll see you soon. Okay. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
One final time on a Friday weekend edition tomorrow morning at 7. Myself, Mark Cranach, you or Damon tomorrow? It's Elijah Herbalin. It's Elijah Herbal. He is just spending the night. Uh, good show today, and thanks for tuning in. Tomorrow uh, we will get after it again. Some more news and thoughts uh, from ESPN.com on the the uh, vote. Real quick, though, about moving in 2020. The place to go, West Blue Realty, that's who you call. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding communities. And if you're moving in 2020, listen, the, the folks you need to reach out to, West Blue Realty. For a limited time, you mentioned Hale Varsity. West Blue Realty can provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby is there for you at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider, 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue, westbluerealty.com. Get an appointment set today to see Tom or Kelly, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. Okay, uh, the latest, and uh, Adam Rittenberg reporting this along with Heather Denich. And uh, you have (laughs) kind of a convoluted process. So per the report from Adam Rittenberg and Heather Denich, you got the Big Ten Medical Subcommittee will present options for a possible return to football in the fall. So with the report, eight of the 14 presidents and chancellors will see the presentation and then call another meeting. We're going to have a meeting to have a meeting. They'll call another meeting with all 14. And if the eight like what they hear, maybe they move forward and play. So there's two ways to screw this up. I am not meeting guy. I despise meetings. I, if I'm told to go, I go. And I'll shut up about it. But the point is, is man, they wear you out. They just do. And and now when I get eight stuffed shirts, well, let me take that back. I'm, 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 I'm going to hold Ohio State, Nebraska, and Iowa's people out of this stuffed shirt circle because they want to play football. But the other 11, the stuffed shirts, maybe they're not all stuffed shirts, but the majority of them that shut this thing down 11 to 3 got no love for you. So (laughs) they may say, sure, let's play ball in the fall, but they may need 17 meetings to decide that. That makes me sad and crazy at the same time. My question is, there's eight attending, six are the not attending. Mm -hmm. So are those the six that have decided that they already are fine with this plan, or is it six that have decided that, hey, no matter what, we don't want to play football this fall? Who are those six? Give me eight teams. Give me eight. First eight in, good. Go. But but I mean, you need the the 70% according to the Big Ten bylaws, so... My question is, or, or is Nebraska... You need 60%. Which is... Nine. Nine votes, excuse me. So the thought is, do we already have three in Nebraska, Ohio so State, Iowa? what happens if, not? instead of saying no, what if you abstain? I'd like that. Yeah. If, if Maryland and Rutgers and whoever else don't want to play football, abstain and let the schools who do want to play football vote. And I listen, like that. I'd love that. And I'll even pay you for your no vote or your yes vote. Even if you opt out. Take a piece of the pie. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow at 7. Check us out at 8 o'clock. East football, Norfolk on ESPN, Lincoln, ESPNLincoln.com to stream us. Talk to you at kickoff.